This is the Collector Car Podcast, the home for the auto enthusiast. Join Greg Stanley as he applies over 25 years of insights and analytical experience to the collector car market. He will interview the experts and throw in some fun stuff as well. All right, I'm very excited to have Wayne Carini on the Collector Car Podcast today. Wayne, thanks for joining us again. Thank you, Greg. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you were on here before covering your ultimate garage, your top 10 cars, and uh, that's a lot of fun from a guy such as you that knows so much about cars. And I know uh, I'm going to ask you 10 questions here. Five are personal, five are about cars. But before we get to that, I know I'm dying for an update on Chasing Classic Cars. So why don't you give our listeners a little update as far as what you've been up to? So uh, we did uh, 18 seasons of Chasing Classic Cars, and we're moving on from that. Um, we're moving to our own TV network, which is Speed Vision. Bob Scanlon, yep. myself, and a, and a few other guys uh, revived the, the brand Speed Vision and got the copyright for it. So we're moving forward, uh, creating some content. We have over 600 hours of library of different shows right now that are being streamed on Roku, FUBU, and a different uh, streaming networks. We just signed a deal. Um, with Amazon TV, and wow. uh, and we're looking uh, at, at another uh, linear network uh, to show our, our all of our episodes and many different uh, other you know. So we we want to get the old band together, as they say. So uh, <laughs> the guys that have been off the air from uh, Motor Trend um, and people whose contracts are running out with Motor Trend, Motor Trend's sort of uh, running out of gas is is the way I look at it. And we're happy to uh, pick up the pieces and move forward with our great new network, uh, Speed Vision. I love you're bringing back Speed Vision because that's right when I was really getting into cars. And so, man, I was on that channel all the time. So that's really cool to see you bringing it back. Well, it's a brand sort of like Coca-Cola, you know, it's like yeah. Coca-Cola disappeared, you know, and suddenly somebody found the, you know, the uh, recipe for Coca-Cola again and we're bringing it back. So we're we're so excited about it. And, uh, you know, this is a growing thing. We just started this about seven months ago. And so we got to uh, take baby steps first. Uh, we, we did an A and B round of funding and we got all of our funding together so we can move forward. And uh, it's going to be a, a blast. Now, is this going to be uh, Chasing Classic Cars 2.0? No. So, so Chasing Classic Cars brand is owned by Discovery Channel. Okay. Um, my production company that I wasn't a part of other than, you know, I was the guy that they filmed. Um, they partnered with Discovery and Discovery really owns the brand. So uh, we're moving forward with uh, on the road with Wayne Carini. Um, we're going to be uh, it's going to be somewhat similar to Chasing Classic Cars, but not sure. exact. It's sort of like on the road with Charles Kuralt, which is a show on CBS that I loved years ago, where he went around and just interviewed people about their lives, and and that's what I'm doing. We we've already started filming that. I'm doing a podcast with uh, Jay Ward, talking classic cars, and we're about to go live with that. And uh, I've got a couple other TV shows up my sleeve where other people will be doing them, but I'll be the producer and the director of those uh, TV shows. So uh, move, moving on, um, you know, Chasing Classic Cars uh, kept me away from home about 190 days a year wow. and, yep. and uh, you know, making appearances and doing all those things and uh, airplane rides. And I'm trying to cut that down to about 120 130 days a year on the road and be a little bit uh, more at home with my grandchildren and my family and, and enjoy my life a little bit more. No, that's not that it's great. not enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was wondering when I saw you at Amelia, I know that she didn't have a film crew with you. So I knew I wanted to ask you first thing about what was going on. So a lot of stuff there. So what are some approximate dates just so our listeners can like, all right, when is your not necessarily in stone, but like it's a TV show six months away. It's a podcast a month away. 
Yeah, the podcast uh, should be about a month away uh, doing live broadcasts. Uh, we'll be doing a live broadcast at Pebble Beach this year as part of their seminar series. And uh, then the show we're, we're starting to film, we want to get about seven or eight episodes under a belt before we start airing it. So that'll right. probably be in the fall of this year. Um, and that's the way it looks. I mean, you know, Speed Vision's growing. Um, so everybody stay tuned. Streaming services, Roku, Fubu, all the different streaming services. I don't know what they all are, but <laughs> Amazon yeah. TV, um, it's going to be everywhere. Wow. Okay. Now that's really exciting. So that's really cool because I think everybody loves you chasing classic cars, collector cars, everything that you've been chasing for so many years, and we don't want that to end. So it's great that you, uh, I guess, have a little bit more control maybe in the destiny of the show and what yeah. you want to do, right? You know, it, it, it was funny. Uh, we've done over 200 episodes of Chasing Classic Cars. It's the longest continuously running uh, automotive television show that there is. Uh, Mike Brewer, Wheeler Dealers, uh, they come and they go. But we, we had 18 full seasons of Chasing Classic Cars and over 200 episodes. Um, and um, it's the most popular automotive TV show in the world. Now, in the United States, um, there's other ones that are more popular, um, but worldwide, uh, we're in 100 countries, and, and my voice is dubbed in 38 languages. It's wow. Just, it's very, very hard to conceive all that, but uh, yeah, pretty proud of that. That's pretty cool. I'd, that'd be That's pretty cool. It'd be fun to watch. Have you watched any of the episodes where it's been dubbed over just to see what it's like? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they dub me. You can steer, still hear my voice, but it's about a two-second delay, and then suddenly, you know, the person that's uh, speaking in my, my behalf uh, comes on. <laughs> that's hilarious okay yeah. well i do want to get to these 10 questions but first give me your amelia island weekend recap i know we ran into each other a couple times what was your yeah. takeaway i know it was a little bit different than a normal year a little bit different but still pretty much the same i mean i enjoyed myself seeing all my friends and, and being being there you know the car season had just started i had not attended scottsdale this year i had some other things going on at home so I decided not to go. And uh, so I went to Boca first. Uh, that was the week before Amelia. And that sort of got me, you know, little steps first. And then, bang, you, you hit it hard. I judged uh, this year, which is my, I think it's my 14th year of judging at Amelia. So that's kind of fun to be able to do that. I showed an MG airline coupe. So that kept me busy. And then uh, out in front of the hotel was my Type 51 Bugatti yeah. Persang. Um, which uh, which is great. John Bothwell that represents Persang uh, uh, borrowed it again this year to be able to show it and to have a have your Bugatti uh, Type 51 in front of the hotels uh, and be able to jump in it at any time and take it for a blast down the street. It makes makes the car show all that much more special. Yeah, I saw you. I think it was last year when you just got it tearing in and out of one of those hangar parties in it, man. That was fun to watch. That was cool. Yeah, it, it's really great. And people love that car. So uh, it's it's a great experience. And then, then of course, you know, going to the car show itself and seeing Saturday. I mean, that place was so packed on Saturday. It was amazing. I think their overall total was something like 30,000 people for uh, both Saturday and Sunday combined. That's a lot of people. And, that is and a lot so, of people, yeah. And, and, and so to see... Uh, some changes, but you know, not not a lot, not huge changes. Um, and and I think it's good in, in some respects. I wish that the awards ceremony uh, would would include the runner up in class, mm. and they do it a little bit differently. And then I think that their award winners, the the first in competition, the best in show competition, best in show elegance, were perfect choices. We had the voice on from the Mullen collection, and, yeah, and you know. Uh, and then, of course, we had the number 21 250 LM uh, that won Le Mans. 
Yeah. And, uh, part Can't of get the, much better uh, than that. <laughs> no, part of the uh, Kennedy NARC racing team car. So uh, I, th I think two great choices um, for uh, best in shows. Yeah, no, that's really great. My my one big regret is when you're out there, uh, you know, I'm showing you my little hypo Mustang I found last year at yeah. the Amelia. I didn't get a picture of you. That's the one question my wife had asked. You don't have a picture of Wayne in front of your Mustang? I'm like, <laughs> didn't cross my mind. Sorry. <laughs> I saw you driving and past us. We were standing on the side of the road. You went blasting past us. So we were getting off the bus coming from RM and, and you zipped by us. So, yeah, it's a great car, man. What a find. What a yeah, find. that was, can't believe I found it during Amelia Island Car Week last year. They just, Things are still out there, so that's good. Things to are still out there, and it showed that you have uh, persistence and patience, like I do. And uh, it took you a little bit of time to get it out of the guy's hands, but uh, you got the job done. I love those cars. It's one of my favorite cars. You know, a, a, a yeah. K-Code Mustang is is by far one of the best cars made. Well, I want to step up to the GT350. I don't know about a 65, but maybe a 66 one day. <laughs> yeah, well, I've got a 65, and, I, yeah. and I'm, I don't regret the day I bought it at all. I mean, it's just a, and not because of the value of the car, because it's probably doubled since I bought it, but yet just the way it drives. Um, yeah. It, it's a it's really fantastic car. Yeah, that's really great. Well, let's get to these 10 questions, or else this will be a 10-hour podcast, all right? Right. <laughs> all right, now, you, you correctly pointed out that my number 10 question was a repeat so i do have a surprise question at the end so okay. get ready for that uh all right so every other one first one's going to be a car the second one's going to be personal so what was your very first car uh 1953 chevrolet four-door sedan uh that was the neighbor's car it was it was parked <laughs> in the shed with uh, two flat tires and i mowed the lawn and uh i asked how much uh, he wanted for it, it was mr Acanero. And he's and he was an older gentleman, and he said, "Well, it's not for sale, but if you mow my lawn all summer, I'll give it to you." Oh wow! So I, I mowed the lawn for him all summer, and uh, every week I'd go, and of course I'd pump the tires up, I'd sit in it and pretend I was shifting. I did everything in the world, you know. I was 12 years old at the time, and uh, and he gave it to me at the end of the summer. Now, is this a situation where the car did not move and you, you mowed around it every time or did he drive the car constantly? No, no it was in the shed. So it had been a car that, uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the people, when you own land uh, in, in certain areas of the country, you just when the, the car just doesn't go anymore, you park it. Yeah. And that was the case with this. The muffler had fallen off, you know, and rotted out. And he was, you know, the brakes were starting to lock up, I guess, is what he told me. So he parked it. Uh, we were able to drag it out with a tractor, uh, put it on a, my father's trailer, bring it up to the shop, put all the brakes on it. Uh, of course, we uh, I cut the muffler off because I wanted a straight pipe. We sure. had a, a farm. I grew up on a farm of 300 acres, and it was a fruit farm. So a lot of roads all going up in between the apples and peaches and pear trees. And so it was my lot car, and I got to drive it all around. You know, 12 years old, being able to drive your own car is pretty cool. No, oh, that's awesome. That's great. All right. So now for a personal question, what is your favorite family memory? Oh boy, I think that, that that's a very tough one. I think more than anything, it's a present type of a thing. Um, I, I have a grandson who's seven years old and I think uh, the best memory I have with him is when he was five, uh, I asked him what he wanted for his fifth birthday more than anything from his pop-up. And he said, I wanna go for riding in the Piercero. So we have a 1916 <laughs> Piercero touring car beautiful car model 38 and we're driving and he looked up at me and he says pop up this is my favorite car you own i love this car now we own ferraris and mustangs and corvettes yeah. and 
it's just a little bit of everything muscle, but here he likes a, a, a 38 model Pierce Arrow. And I said, well, Connor, it's your birthday today. Happy birthday. So I gave him that car when he was five years old. And it's the best thing probably ever done because he, that's all he knows how to talk about now is that car and oh, wow. you know, driving it and being able to ride around in it. Um, so it, it, it's a great memory for me. Just that one day. Of course, I got many, many different memories with family. Sure. You know, my, my family means everything to me. So, but the, the grandson getting into cars—that's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool, especially a Pierce Arrow pre-war. Yeah. You know, that's really building the foundation for. You know, he's going to love cars the rest of his life, especially if that's you're right. starting with that. Oh, that's, that's cool. Right. Yeah. All right. Now, if you could have only one car for everything, what would it be? 1960 250 short wheelbase. <laughs> that was easy <laughs> <laughs> it's real easy i mean i love that car i've restored eight of them over the years uh, i've never owned one but i've had the opportunity to drive them to restore them and i think for an all-around car where you could drive that car to the racetrack you could uh, put some tape on your headlights you could win races not just compete you could win with these cars and then drive it home you could go to the grocery store you go anywhere you want to with that car it was just a grand touring car and uh but very competitive um and a, and a and a car that slides very nicely you know you go into a corner you can get into a drift and it's a very controllable drift i remember uh, watching bobby rahal drive his at, at laguna seca and and mm. he had that car sideways constantly <laughs> just in a power slide all the time and it's just the most beautiful <laughs> thing to watch in the world yeah and they're they're just beautiful cars to start with and you can fit a few bags of grocery in the back you know, trade, yeah, you know, right? A, a, a few, yeah, yeah a few, yeah. a few. Yeah. All right. Well, this is along those lines. Uh, what's the best gift you've ever received? Obviously, it's not a two fifty. Well, I mean, you know, you say gift, and and people can think of a tangible item. I, I think my greatest gift was the knowledge that I gained from my father and his uh, his uncles, very knowledgeable people, and then all all the all the other people I've run into all over the years. You know, um, they've given me the the knowledge and the drive to succeed in life. And, and I think that that's the best gift I could have ever received from anybody. So that brings up an interesting question. So you and your grandson, great story, great connection, great way into the collector car hobby, you know, and owning a car. What was your story with your dad? Like what year did your dad turn you on to cars? If it was your dad initially. It was. So my, my father, um, was the founder of the model a ford restorers club in 1951 the year i was born and mm. he had he had fixed a, a model a up for a local farmer and and uh, took it to a car show and they said that he couldn't take it in because it was just a, some old used car of course this is 1951 1930 right. model a is just an old used car and uh, you know packards and and uh, all sorts of brass cars uh, were in there thomas flyers and stuff and they just looked at that little piddly model a and they said you can't come so he on, on the way home he was with a friend bill hall and he said bill i'm going to create a car club that they can't come to and it was the <laughs> model a club and they said well there is a model a club he says well i'm a model a restorer we're going to call it the model a restorers club and so I, I was automatically in my father restored cars for a living when i grew up and i had no choice because when i got off the bus every day i rode my bicycle up the road at three quarters of a mile and yep. I worked every day and on weekends. Wow. Yep. And then, of course, when we weren't working, we went to car shows. So I grew up in it. Uh, when I graduated high school, I went to college to become an architect. And I found out that it wasn't for me. I ended up graduating for, from Central Connecticut State University Art Education. 
Uh, tried that for about six months and that wasn't working very well for me. I wanted to be a college art teacher, not a kindergarten art teacher. And, uh, and therefore I went back to work for my dad and in 1973 and here we are. All right. So, uh, a budding artist. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I, I did a lot of metal sculpting, uh, hung out with, with a guy, Fred Jones was a very famous metal sculptor and, uh, also loved cars, friend of my dad. So, uh, I go to the junkyards on Sundays and Saturdays with them and pick parts up and then weld them together um, and became a, somewhat of a unique artist with me, metal sculptures all over the place. Oh, that's really cool because I'm I'm a wannabe artist or failed artist, maybe. Um, and then I also studied architecture and I said, that's not for not me. Really. Too. <laughs> so I went, I, I, uh, I won the Hartford Home Builders Association Future Architect of the Year when I was in high school. Wow. And I got accepted to Pratt Institute and went down to Pratt. Couldn't stand it because uh, living in New York after living on a farm where we didn't lock the doors. And now I'm living in Harlem when, you know, with 10 deadbolts on the doors and being able to walk to classes, you'd have to have five or six of your friends with you to be able to, to get through without getting mugged or something. So I came home real quick. I'll tell you, I think I was there seven weeks and I, I just turned around, came home, got on the train and I was home. My moment of clarity was when I realized I, I was good, but not that good. My buddy was really good. And so such a small percentage actually design stuff. Usually That's you're right. the guy figuring out where the outlet goes or the light switch. And I'm like, I don't want to be that guy. And I knew I, I wouldn't be the designer. So I decided to change gears. So it worked One out of my well. buddies, Klaus Schmidt, when I was in high school, he went to Pratt and, and he got a job at a, being a technical draftsman at a shipyard. <laughs> Not even close to being what he wanted to yeah. do, but that, that's the path that, that he found himself on. Very interesting. Cool. Yeah. Now, this next question, you might have already said the answer. I'm curious to see. What is your ultimate dream car? So this isn't a car for everything. But your answer still might be the short wheelbase uh, 250. So what well, is your ultimate dream car? So, so the 250 short wheelbase is a very practical, cool car, and it's my probably my ultimate favorite car, all around favorite car. But an 8C Alpha, mm. um, yeah. especially with a Pininfarina Cabriolet, uh, you know, Lawrence uh, Oriana has one, and I just I just love the car. I've I've done some work on it for him, so I think that that would be my ultimate car to own. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to do a podcast episode where it's the trifecta, the F1, the, you know, the GTO and that car, you know, yeah. those are kind of like the trifectas across the whole automotive world. So, right. All right. What is your favorite song band or type of music? Oh boy. I like all sorts of, of music. I grew up in an era with, you know, the Woodstock generation. And so folk music was cool. Um, I, I really like a band, Little Feet, Lowell George, uh, mm -hmm. just a fabulous uh, musician and songwriter and, and uh, director of, of so many other great bands. Uh, he, he did a um, Shakedown Street with uh, the Grateful Dead. He, he, was the, uh, he was the head of that. And so I like them, the Mahavishnu Orchestra with John McLaughlin. I got to meet him once and, and oh, wow. uh, went to one of his shows backstage. I just love all music and all musicians. I'm an opera. I love opera. I love jazz. I, I love everything. But um, just as a a really good time uh, album, you know, Dixie Chicken, Little Feet. I think that you can't beat that that real good boogie music. All right. Now, geographically speaking, I think you're within driving distance of Woodstock. So, did you go? And if you didn't, why not? 
we were on our way and and it was pouring rain and we were riding motorcycles and we got about maybe about two hours away and i said this is ridiculous and turned around and went home <laughs> that was it so the intentions were good but uh in the end uh, i'm sort of glad we didn't go it, it turned into be uh we had a few friends that did go uh, especially classmates in high school and uh you know, I, I I wasn't into taking drugs or anything like that. I guess that maybe that was a deterrent too. I was glad I didn't go and have to put up with all those other floating people. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a tent on the back of your uh, your motorcycle? Or we did. A... Yeah, we had oh, okay. we had tent, sleeping bag. We we're ready to go. So but it was have... pouring rain out. Yeah. If you have a, a picture deterrent. of you in seventies garb, please send it, and I'll throw it. Oh, up. I will. Yeah, yeah. I had a beard down to the middle of my stomach <laughs> and and a ponytail down. All the way to the belt line in the back so yeah oh my like, gosh you could yeah, tie ri ride motorcycles that way rode bikes for years like that oh that's awesome yeah i'd love yeah. to see the picture all right what is your most embarrassing automotive moment in a, a addition to this is did it happen while filming your tv show no it didn't happen when filming a tv show but i was showing a, a client's uh, 750 monza ferrari at uh, down at the cavallino show and uh they, uh, they, of course, they want to hear the engine run and see all the gauges work and that stuff. And I went to start it up and we had uh, not poured enough gasoline in the car and it was out of gas. <laughs> right. So they give you five minutes to correct any issues. And so I, I hightailed it. And that was that was, oh, gosh, that's got to be close to 30 some years ago. And uh, I ran to the trailer, got the can of gas and came back and poured it in. And the judges came back, heard it run, saw the gauges. And that was a pretty embarrassing moment when when the judges are all hanging around your car and you're you're vying for one of the best competition cars at the show and it doesn't run because yeah. the idiot forgot to put some gas in it. <laughs> it's not like you're at the local cruise in or your local whatever show. You're at the best of the best with one of the best cars ever, right? That's right. That's right. There's been lots of you know those, but that was that was super embarrassing at the time because I was just getting a reputation of being a really great great Ferrari restorer, and all of a sudden I'm I felt terrible of course <laughs> right. we didn't get any points deducted which was fine and still didn't win but that's that's okay yeah yeah all right now what is your favorite meal and why uh spaghetti bolognese or mustacholi oh. uh, so a meat sauce uh, style um sauce uh, my uncle used to make it it was it was called mustacholi and uh, there was carrots in it and onions and all sorts of vegetables as well as uh, pork and and veal just fabulous sauce so yeah still to this day um if i go somewhere and they've got bolognese I, that's what i have wow i don't eat as much as i used to though. I, <laughs> I cut it into a quarter size and I, that's all i eat you're making me hungry here all right yeah. all right we got two more to go uh what is your proudest automotive moment um well, it's it's a two-part question. One one I can say my one of my proudest moments was is the 365P Ferrari, the the monoposto, the center steering car. Yep. Um, the triposto, I should say. Um, I restored that for Luigi Canetti, um, and I got to drive it on the lawn at Pebble Beach with my wife on one side and one of my best friends on the other side. And I, I thought I was pretty cool driving that yeah. car on on the lawn at Pebble Beach, sitting in the middle of the car. Uh, we also uh, stored that car for Mr. Kennedy at, at my garage at my house. And I used to take my two daughters out with uh, child seats, uh, one on each oh, side wow. of me, uh, driving around town in that car. So, yeah, that's uh, that was a pretty proud moment. I think the, the other one, and I'd be, you know, crazy not to mention this, is that I'm very proud of our Chasing Classic Car show. I, I lucked out uh, in meeting Jim Ostrowski, who was the head of the production company, because of an article that was written about me in the New York Times. 
and he called me the next day and uh, and it took off like crazy we didn't think we'd get one season out of this thing and here you know here we are 18 seasons later and over 200 episodes i got a very very proud of that you know and i feel like based on everything you have going on right now a year from now that answer will be different because i think it might every, be everything it you might. got going now is like quite a mountain you're climbing so that'd yeah. be really cool to see it come to fruition and, and another thing too is, is that i haven't changed i mean you know um people say oh geez you seem like a normal guy so, yeah well so what i mean <laughs> tv i guess tv gets to people you know being famous and it doesn't get to me at all it's just doesn't bother me at all my my, my focus is on my family and my business and then the other stuff comes later yeah yeah for sure all right the last question which you do not know what it is yet but um looking around behind you i see a lot of cool stuff some uh classic headlights a little uh, not die cast but a really cool car some posters so if you had to give everything you owned away what would be the last item to go as far as tangible items tangible items tangible items dogs don't count. um Oh boy, I, I think right now probably the Shelby GT350. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I look around and and I we're we're supposed to be selling some cars and not buying anymore, but it, it doesn't happen <laughs> that way. So, um, it, it's it's sort of like asking someone what's your favorite child in the family, you know, or what's your favorite grand, you know, grandchild, and it's just you can't pick a favorite. So, um. I'm a hoarder when it comes to things sometimes, and I love I love different things. As you can see in the background, I've got some wood lights and and some E and J headlights. I've just yep. chased those for years and finally got them. Uh, that's a spin dizzy that's in, in the back there. Uh, that was given to me by Eric Zausner, and Eric was the authority on spin dizzies and wrote a big book about spin dizzies. And uh, I did him a favor once, and he said, "How much do I owe you?" I said, "Eric, you're a friend of mine. I don't collect money from friends for doing simple favors." and and so I've got four of those spin dizzies from Eric's generosity of, of repaying me. That's the way he repays me. So now those ones that have the little gas engine that spin around yes. on a tether. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Tether cars. So, so bet between um, Eric and uh, um, I can't remember the other gentleman's name, but there was the spin dizzies were brought back to life uh, actually with those guys. Uh, Eric uh, wrote a, a beautiful uh, table coffee table book about spin dizzies and it's funny he published a thousand of them and every one he wrote in he so number one of 1000 instead of saying it's the uh, first one it was just one of 1000 people oh, that's say what, look at i got eric's yeah. first one i go no you didn't really read the way it's written right right yeah no that's yeah, great unfortunately like we that. just lost eric he was he was a great hot rodder and just the greatest guy in the world oh that's too bad yeah yeah well, I really appreciate your time. Is there anything else you wanted to cover on the Collector Car Podcast? Well, I, I want to thank you for your podcast and all the information that you give us. I, I, I actually, out of the clear blue, I read a, read one of your, and you do a newsletter too. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I enjoy that very much, um, listening to you as well as reading your articles and, and, and being part of RM is really great. Um, you know, I, I appreciate everything you do for them. Um, that's a, you know, the auction world is a, is a, is a very unusual world at the present time. Yes, so, uh, but everybody's doing okay. Um, and, uh, RM will, will move on and, and be bigger and better as well as, uh, Broad Arrow and David Gooding and Bonhams. I mean, there's plenty of space for everybody in the world. So, uh, hopefully everybody will get along and, and things will be great again. 
I'm sure we will. And I think you're just like me. I just want to go there for the people in the cars. You know, I'm I'm kind right. of on the on the you know the outside of everything. So it, it's just like I want to enjoy I'm, the cars. I, I explain to everybody and say, well, what do you think of this? And I say, I am Switzerland. I don't. Uh, want, <laughs> I'm even. I don't know. I don't want to know anything about the politics. Right. I'm right there with you, buddy. Yeah. So, all right, Wayne. Well, thank you so much for being thank on the you. Collector Car Podcast. See you, Greg. Thanks for listening to the Collector Car Podcast. Don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes and be sure to follow us on Instagram and everywhere else at the Collector Car Podcast.